There's a well-known and much shared idea that says that the average millionaire has seven different streams of income. They might earn money from serving clients in their business, from selling evergreen products, from a property rental, from stocks and other financial assets, and so on. Our guest for today's episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is Andrea Grassi. He's a partner in six or seven different businesses that generate income for him. And more importantly, he makes a major contribution as the marketing expert in each of the businesses he runs. And because running even a single business is a big challenge for most of us, we wanted to find out how he does it all. How does he find partners? What exactly does he do in each of his businesses? And maybe how more copywriters can create businesses like the ones Andrea has. There's lots of great business building advice in this episode, so be sure to stick around for all of it. This podcast episode is sponsored by New Orleans. This is a city that Rob and I are currently in right now. We're together in New Orleans. Uh, We're actually here for our uh, Think Tank Mastermind Retreat, which we just wrapped last night. And um, Rob, did you have a good time? That was amazing, hanging out with these guys. They're doing such cool things with their businesses and just talking about the challenges they have, working through some of those uh, solutions and also listening to the presentations, the speakers that we had, talking about all kinds of things from processes to running a minimalist business that works, You know, people who are doing uh, amazing things, six, running six-figure businesses, sometimes working three or four hours a day, you know, four or five days a week. It's, uh, yeah, it's been really insightful. Yeah, it was so fun to have everyone in the same room together. It's in a really intimate space for a couple of days, um, just because we weren't able to do it for a couple of years and we're finally able to start gathering together in person and, you know, doing more than even just learning together, which was fun to hear all the different presenters and, um, and learn but we also had a lot of fun. We went out to dinner. Um, we went on a, a ghost tour, a cemetery tour. Um, we went out to a comedy show. It was just great to get out. And New Orleans is such a magical city and place to visit. I feel like it was it was the best place for us all to be. Um, and so it was all part of the think tank because that's what the think tank is about. It's about gathering copywriters together. So you can share brilliant ideas with each other and build your own network and, um, you know, meet new friends, build your network of other copywriters and create new experiences, get, get yourself out of your comfort zone, right? Even traveling here was out of my comfort zone and, and just putting yourself out there in a new way to continue to grow as a business owner and to continue to grow as a person. And that's what the Think Tank's all about. And if that's something that you would be interested in and being part of a mastermind and being part of a retreat and multiple retreats, uh, then check out the Think Tank and apply. If you're interested in joining, we can jump on a call and talk through it with you to see if it's a good fit. And to apply, go to copywriterthinktank.com. And now let's jump into the interview with Andrea. So we do want to know how you ended up as a marketer and entrepreneur. Okay. So long story short, <laughs> I, I never had the feeling to have a job. I always wanted to create something my, so the first thing is that I never had a job 
ever. When I was 18, I was just uh, working for a real estate company, going around to look for property uh, to be sold. And I was paying uh, on a commission. Uh, but then uh, when I was around 19, I started my first company. Let's call it a small business. And then I started to understand that wasn't enough to be passionate about something in order to create profits. There was, there were a lot of things that I was missing, you know, uh, how to market my products, how to sell my products, how to make the numbers at the end of the month, uh, mark a positive sign and all that kind of stuff. So just because I'm very curious to learn things, I started to study this and study that and uh, go deep in these things. And I mean, try to unveil some something that I was missing. And then suddenly I understood that I was, uh, I was liking that. I mean, I was, I was satisfied and happy. So I started to, I mean, grow that business. And then probably just because I'm curious, I started to look around and I realized that there were opportunities around me. I mean, people have needs and, uh, nobody was satisfying those needs. And then I said to myself, okay, why don't, uh, trying to do also this. And then the second business came out and suddenly I realized that there were two different businesses in two different markets, but the main concept that were at the basis of those businesses were the same things, the marketing rules, the accountant things, or uh, the people management or all the other uh, things that were around the business were the same. So I said to, my, to myself, oh, maybe <laughs> if I start another one, the year were going on and was getting more expert. And then I said, yeah, maybe if I start another one, I can use the experience that I did uh, to have the business work properly. And then the third business came <laughs> and then the fourth, uh, and basically uh, I was right. I mean, it's not, I did not that I was right. It's how things works. The, 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 the basis, uh, the foundation of the business, I'm sorry for my rotten English, uh, the basis, the foundation of, uh, of a business are the same. Doesn't matter. Yes, there are little changes, but the main column, uh, uh, the milestone are the same. So it's like probably when you learn languages, it's hard to learn the first one. The second one is a little bit easier than the first one. The third one get easier and, and, and so, and so, and so. So now I'm 49 with six uh, businesses up and running. One has been closed of the past businesses. Another one has been sold. And a few months ago, I did the things that I never did in my life. I bought a business. And so this is my long story made short, I hope. Just to be clear, because we didn't say this at the beginning, but you're in Italy. Yeah, I'm based in Italy. I live in Italy. Yeah. 
Okay. And the business environment in Italy is a little bit different than here in the States. It's not always as easy to start a business. There's a lot of things that go on. And so the fact that you've gone through a lot of those challenges is even maybe more impressive than if we were talking to somebody who's you know, started this many businesses in the States. But just briefly describe what the businesses are that you started. What were you doing in each of those businesses? Basically, I, I grew up uh, in, the, in the training and coaching environment. So two businesses are uh, uh, about that. Uh, a company that does um, training and coaching services in the uh, personal development area. W one important thing, in all these businesses, I'm not alone. I don't like the model of the uh, uh, solopreneur because I, I mean, I, I like to bond. <laughs> I like to create teams. And I think that I don't know everything. And my some of my strength points are also some of my weak points. And that's why I trust and believe that uh, if a business, if, it, if you have at least two business partners, it's much better than one. So in the training uh, and coaching company that does uh, uh, personal development uh, services, uh, I have three business partners and I don't run a lot of seminar there because most of my time is, is, another, is into another business that does uh, coaching and training uh, program for small entrepreneurs. And in that business, we have a, a big revenue stream, the bigger in Italy, that does training and coaching services for dental practice owners. Then another business that I just do the CEO for that business. And yes, I own shares. Uh, it's a business for photographer and uh, a photo retoucher. It's a school of photography and photo retouching. Another business uh, is an advertising company that does, it's a small niche, does create images for company that sells clothes for kids. So basically an advertising company for uh, a fashion brands that uh, does clothes for kids. Another business in, uh, uh, buy remodel and resell properties. And the last one is the most recent one. I opened that one in Holland and uh, is a project that let people that want to invest money to create passive income, investing in uh, show jumping horses. I am a passionate uh, uh, of horses. I own horses. I do not uh, uh, do show jumping. I do dressage, but the money, the business are in the show jumping world. So this is why we started this company in, uh, in Holland. And uh, Rob, you were right. I realized that one more when we opened this business in Holland. In Italy, we are killed with the bureaucracy and everything is overcomplicated. There is this story that um, a big company uh, um, headhunt uh, Italian managers that works in Italy because they believe that they can do things works in Italy. In the rest of the world, they will do much, much, much better and with much less effort. So 
yes, it's much nicer to be in US, I think, to do business. And this is why I'm, uh, in the past two years, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that probably it's time for me to move or at least things uh, to do something more international than what I'm doing right now. So just a, a really quick follow-up. One of the things that's really interesting to me is how different some of the businesses are and the fact that you aren't necessarily a photographer or a photo retoucher, an image specialist, or even necessarily you know a training specialist, and yet you've still been able to launch all of these businesses. Maybe the one thing you have is is the the horses, which is a passion of yours. But even still, the business is very different from your experience, and it's really interesting to me that you're starting so many businesses without that technical, you know, that technician role where you are the one that has to be the expert. Yes, and this is where the power of having business partners create the magic. Because, for example, the first company that I was talking about that doesn't exist anymore, my business partner, Simone, now moved to U.S., <laughs> so he started his own business there. It was an, a little IT company, and I didn't know anything about IT, but Simone was the beast. He was putting that knowledge in the company and I was just uh, 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 selling our services. That's my part. And uh, this happened, you know, for example, with this business with the horses, I went to improve and study my horse skill to the best master in Italy. And then when I was at his stable, I was just uh, between one lesson and the other one. I was driving 300 kilometers Please make the math because I don't want to mess up with the miles. But uh, I was driving 300 kilometers to go there and learn um, because I want to learn from the best. So I was going there. And then when I was there, I was just looking around. And then when we were having lunch together, I was starting to tell him, hey, have you ever thought about doing these things in a different way? And then he said, why? Because I think that it works better. You can make more money, you can make more profit. And, and then he started to apply that. And then, uh, and then, so we, we started to, to become friends and we started to build the trust and respect the mutual respect. And then he was doing his business. And then I said, Hey, but why don't you do this in this way? Uh, maybe you can do something much bigger than what you're doing now. And then he said, hmm, this is interesting. And why don't we do this together? And this is what basically happened to me uh, uh, many, many times. Uh, it always started something similar to this. And I'm not the expert about the product of those business, uh, those businesses. I'm just the expert uh, about how to sell how to market those products and how to generate profit around those products. So, yeah. Okay. So many questions for you. Even though we had time to chat about this in Orlando, I still have so many questions about it. Let's go back to the basics, especially for anyone listening who may be less interested in having, you know, creating multiple businesses. And they're just like, I just need to get this one business running because that's hard enough. What are some of the foundational pieces, the elements or ingredients that we need in our core business to make it work? You know, something that you've learned from all of these businesses, it's the same thing over and over again. One important thing, and 
probably is not the answer that people expect, but okay, you need, uh, basically the, th the things that you need, uh, the most is a strong marketing strategy to acquire, uh, uh, the customers because, uh, a lot of people that started their first business, uh, those people, they love the, uh, their products or services. They are passionate about that, but they are not passionate about selling them. And, uh, I, I mean, uh, sometimes I use this metaphor just because I live in Italy. I use the metri the metaphor of a pizza place where, where pizza is sold. If you are passionate about, uh, uh doing pizza, and then you decide to open your pizza store, pizzeria, we call them pizzeria. You need to realize that your business is not making pizza. Your business is selling pizzas. So you need to be an expert for sure, uh, uh, to be, to, to create a good, a wonderful pizza, but also in order to run that business, you need to be able to have clients, to be paid to sell pizza at high prices in order to create high margins. So yeah, you need a marketing strategy. Then you need the ability to make the numbers fit the result. I mean, people love the business idea. Sometimes uh, people love marketing too, but they don't love numbers. So they have no idea about how to create how to define the prices in order to create a margin and you know, how to, I mean, have the money to pay taxes and then the taxes arrives. And in Italy, we have much higher taxes than in the rest of the world. So you need to become good <laughs> at making those numbers. Otherwise, okay. The tax bill arrived. You don't have the money on your bank account and then you have to borrow money to pay taxes. And it's the, the, the worst things that you can do. So yes, you need this, but the most important things that I've realized, and, uh, usually I, I advise small entrepreneur about this is that creating profit, uh, is not the result of a single activity, but is the result of different things that are hooked together as a chain. Uh, let me try to explain this. I, I went inside something difficult for my English, but let's, let's imagine that, uh, the profit you want to create is like a, a, a bowl of iron and okay, for sure you want, you want to create a, 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 a big bowl because you want a lot of profits, but this bowl is heavy. So you need a chain to, to hold, uh, this, this bowl. So the chain is the system that you use to create the profit, the, the ball represent the profit. So the bigger the ball, the stronger the chain needs to be. Otherwise it cannot hold that weight and you can only hold a smaller ball. But we know that the strength of the chain is defined by, by the weakest link of the chain. So in order to run your company and be able to create profit. I don't care about revenues is not the, the measure that define a business is the profit 
that define the quality of a business. I don't like to have a 5 million euro business with 100,000 profit. I prefer to have a 500 euros business with 100,000 profit. I have less risk on my shoulder. So the strength of the chain define the size of the pro- of the profit that you are able to create. It's the weakest link that makes a difference. But usually people, when thinks about their business, they want to reinforce what is already working, what is already uh, uh, powerful because they like it. And usually the weakest link is the one that is weak because those people don't like that area. Uh, 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 proposal generation, clients acquisitions, uh, yes, uh, 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 servicing and product delivery, uh, um, uh, cashing in, uh, cost management. Those are the links of the chain. And usually, when 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 uh, a small entrepreneur run his business, likes something, and tend to make that link, uh, that uh, uh, ring very powerful very strong, but he doesn't realize that if he put more energy in that uh, ring, the result of the profit will not change because the result of the profit is stopped by the weakest link. So in order to run uh, efficiently a business, a small business owner should focus on the weakest link, make it stronger, then he will see that his profit will grow. Then another ring uh, will become the weakest. And then he have to focus on that one and so on. And this is what basically uh, is running a business. Have I been able to explain myself with this strange language? Totally makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I love the metaphor of the chain holding the profit ball because that weak link breaks and and now you're in trouble. And so the fix fix the weakest link next really works for me. And maybe we can come back to that in just a minute because you're you're saying the three things, marketing strategy, the ability to generate a profit, make some money, and then these systems that support it. I want to go back to marketing strategy when you're thinking about a business that you're either starting or you're running and and you start to you know come up with the marketing strategy what is it that you're thinking about what are the things that you're considering so that what you put together has a really good chance of working probably it starts even before then creating the business because the most obvious things and maybe stupid things that i can say is that uh, if you want that uh, uh, somebody uh, buy your products or services, uh, you need that uh, this person has a need. So usually what I do when I just scan the world, just because I'm curious, I look for the opportunities about what just people need, what they are missing, what they would like to do better or uh, is there a better way to uh, 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 solve a problem that they have? So this uh, let uh, me identify a, a spot where a new business can grow. Yes, it, it's a matter of size of the market and if that market have money to pay, otherwise there's no market. Basically, everything starts from there. 
when it's time to create the marketing strategy, uh, basically everything start from, from, from there. I see a, a lot of people, a lot of small entrepreneurs that just because they love their product, they tend to explain their product to the world, but nobody gives a about the product. They just want what that product can do for them. So the most important things I believe that, uh, uh, um, has to be done is that, uh, you need to start and to market your product starting from, from the needs and then from the benefits and then showing the proof about how your product is able to create those benefits. I think that answers like the purpose, right? And then from there, you've got to figure out, okay, how do we do this tactically? How do we go out into the world? You know, are we running ads? Are we, you know, talking to affiliates? And so that really just gets you to that next step of the how do you execute on that? I'm curious to hear more about your mindset shifts, your mindset changes along your entrepreneurial path, you know, from 19 until now, because I think that listening to you, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I would love to run multiple businesses, but that's impossible. And then I start to list all the reasons why it's impossible, even though I know that's not a true statement. So I'm wondering what has helped you along the way start to shift the way you think about what's possible for you. I know it's not an overnight change, but what has helped you? I believe one thing, that the profit of your company represents your inner value. So basically, if you make 100,000 euro a year, it means your value as a business owner is just that 100,000 euro. So if you want to increase the number, you need to increase your inner value. You need to study, you need to make experiences, you need to learn new things. When I started my entrepreneurial value. I just created a new word right now. I didn't know that it could exist, uh, was around zero. And you know, the company was just paying his bills, you know? Um, but then you learn new things, uh, you teach, uh, you, you study things, you make experiences and uh, your, your value grows and the company grows. When I had uh, when I was just running my first company, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about opening a new one. Uh, there wasn't s space in my life for that. I was busy as hell, you know, to make things works. So I wasn't even thinking about that. But then as you create result, you increase your entrepreneurial value. And then you, you, you are more strong, your, your mind changed. So little by little making experience and having references. Okay. I can do it. I don't have to be there. If I change this and that I can simplify things. I can find people to delegate, uh, low value activities in order, uh, 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 to have more time for me to focus on high value activities. That's my main things right now. I think that, uh, when you are on this route, on this path, you just make experience that let you, uh, uh, increase your entrepreneurial value. And then 
a little by little, you start to, uh, 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 to understand that you can, uh, do more than, than you think, because you can, it's just, it's just, you see the world with different eyes because just you have different experience and you are a different person. Do you have any examples you can share, especially for someone who maybe feels like they have plateaued so that they have increased gradually and then they're at a plateau their profit has not increased for maybe a couple of years. So they're starting to say, ah, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Do you have any examples of what's helped you or what's helped any of your clients? Yes. I learned a concept many, many years ago that opens my mind. I was facing a, a strange situation. I was working and working and working and working and working probably. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm an hard worker. Uh, and, and I only do things that I like. So it was easy to work a lot, sacrificing all different other areas of, of my life. And, uh, but I was working and working and working, but I was, as you said, uh, stuck there. Things w wasn't improving. And then I don't even remember where I was in US following a training, a seminar, because I signed for that training just because I wanted to learn uh, a solution for this, this, uh, problem. And, and that person said something like, there are three different things that you need to do in your company, operation, managing, and be the entrepreneur. When you, when, when you do activities or you manage things, you are working inside the business. When you do the entrepreneur, you work on the business. And I realized that, that, uh, uh, 99, 90, okay. We use the comma, comma 99% of my time was in doing operation, a lot of operation because I was the product and, uh, uh um, the, the operational guy and some managing things, but I wasn't working on the business. And that person said, okay, La, let's think this way. When you, uh, do operation things, every hour that you put in your business is uh, worth it 10 euros. When you do managing things, it's worth it 100. When you do the entrepreneur, it's worth it 1000. Try to make the math and uh, calculate the value of your time inside your business. If you want to increase the profit of that business, you need to increase this value. So the only solution you have is not working more just because I was working almost 18 hours a day. Uh, the only solution that you have is move your time from these little valuable things to the most valuable things. And that are working on the business. So the bigger advice I can do to, I can give to somebody that is stuck in the situation you were mentioning is that thinking, what can you delegate in order to free more time and move your focus and your energy working on the business, how to scale and how to increase that business, what you can automate in order to do things easier, what you can cut, because probably, uh, I don't know, 
Pareto principle would say that uh, uh, the 80% of the things that you're doing is not really needed to your uh, big dream. So what can you cut? What can you simplify? And because just you need to increase the value of the time that you give to your business. And the only solution that you have is doing what you want to do, the entrepreneur. And it means working on the business. A lot of people are scared that if I don't do it, uh, uh, it won't be uh, done well. Yeah, I understand. Uh, probably is probably is true. But the question is, these people want to be right or want to be rich? There are two different things. You need to understand that you have to delegate to somebody. You need to create a team. Otherwise, I mean, you don't, you cannot scale the time that the company has in order to produce the profit. If you are alone, you just have those hours per day. So you need a team. Okay. When you create a team, things start to complicate because you are not alone anymore. But if you can, if you want to do that step and go out that limit that you're facing, you need to break, to break this barrier, this wall doing with this approach. All right, let's break in here. Um, Rob, what resonated with you the most? Okay, so there's a couple of things that really stood out to me. Um, I love his analogy, Andre's analogy about pizza. So just the idea that you are making pizza or you're writing copy or you're doing marketing, but that's actually not the business. That's the craft that you do. And if you want to run a business, you have to get good at selling the thing that you are creating. And the, really a business is all about, all about selling. And uh, that's something that I think most of us start to understand after a little while, uh, you know, if we struggle to find clients, you know, obviously you need clients to make a business work. And so you start to understand how important selling is, but most of the time when we jump into a business, we jump into it because we're really good at things like copy or making pizza. And we're not always thinking about all of the other things that have to happen. So uh, again, I love that analogy. Yeah. So it's really not, our job isn't writing copy, it's selling copy. Um, there's another part of the conversation that resonated with me. And I, I didn't even realize it, it came from this conversation with Andre until re-listening to the episode, but it stuck with me. He said, the profit of your company represents your inner value. And this is something, you know, if you have struggled and you kind of have hit a plateau and your profit has not increased recently, um, you know, it can be very frustrating. And so I thought about this and I've been doing a lot of thinking about what I can do to increase my own inner value. And that's, you know, it's like, well, what does that even mean? <laughs> what can I do to do that? Where do I start? Um, you know, he mentioned education learning more, uh, developing your skill set. Um, I think you can start to uh, step out of your comfort zone to increase your inner value. You can help more people. The more people you help, the more you increase your inner value. There are so many different ways you can do that. And that's something that I'm experimenting with, just even personally to figure out how to play with that inner value. Because I, I do believe, like he said, and he has the experience to back it up, that there's a direct correlation to the profit of your company. And so it's kind of a fun way to play around with it and take control over your business. 
Yeah, and I think when we talk about inner value, obviously we're not talking about intrinsic value. Like just if you have a business that has no profit, that does not mean that you don't have value. But it is important to think about the value you bring to the table for your clients. And if you have a business that's not making profit, you might need to look a little bit more deeply into what you're doing so that you're creating value for them, right? So it's all about how are you solving problems for your clients? What does that look like? And attached to that idea, you know, Andre talked about the value chain, all these things in your business that are hooked together from beginning to end. And wherever that weakest thing is that you do is oftentimes where that profit breaks down. And Sometimes it's not, it's not a single thing. Uh, your business is obviously not a single thing. There's all kinds of things that have to happen. But uh, if there's you know a breakdown in uh, your pitching or your attraction uh, ability, or if there's a breakdown in how you deliver what it is to your clients, or there's a breakdown in offboarding or in invoicing, like there's so many places where you can have a weak link that impacts your profit. So it's worth looking at your business sort of start to finish like like Andre described in that chain and figuring out where is the weakest link and how can you strengthen that now? Yeah, and I, I love his approach to building multiple businesses because it's really about curiosity and observation, which sounds easy, but it's not even slowing down enough to ask big questions or ask difficult questions. Um, you can't even form the question unless you're paying attention to what's happening around you and you're looking for opportunities and you're thinking differently about the world. And that is something that he's he's really great at um, and maybe he's cultivated over the years. I like the question that Andre has asked and, and asked his business partners that's led to working with many of them. And the question is, have you thought, ever thought about doing this in a different way? And that's such a powerful question that we can use in our own work and our own businesses you know, what could we do in a different way that we just take for granted? Well, this is how you do it. This is how I have to do it. But what could we, what could we think about differently if we begin, we bring a beginner's eye or just a different eye um, to the situation and the problem we're solving? Yeah. And, and, you know, going along with that, he asked that question, but then he's really free with the advice that he gives. There's lots of ideas. I think a lot of times we think, if we're sharing the ideas that we have, the client's just going to run with them and do them himself, herself. And the reality is usually they're not thinking of the ideas and they also don't have the ability to execute on the ideas that we share. And so I love how freely he gives his advice. Even before he forms a partnership with a potential business, he's there saying, hey, you could do this differently. You could do this differently. He's proving his value up front. And then when a client comes back and says, hey, maybe you can come and help me with this, he can have that conversation about partnership and what does that look like next. So thinking about the needs that his potential partners have and just giving away as many ideas as they need until they see how valuable he is. Another idea worth stealing. And then we wrapped up the conversation talking about the different hats we wear as business owners and how often he, he kind of hit a plateau in his own business when he was focusing and working 18-hour days and focusing on the operations of his business and more of the management of his business and then wondered why he wasn't growing. And I think that's relatable um, because oftentimes we do get stuck working in the business and then we get frustrated because we're not growing, but we're not actually working on the business and wearing the entrepreneur hat. And so he, he broke it down beautifully. Just, you know, if you're working on the operations of your business, that's 10 euro an hour. 
If it's the management of your business, it's 100. If it's the entrepreneur role, that's worth a thousand euro an hour, right? And I think it's a very simplified way of understanding that we need to wear the entrepreneur hat more frequently if we really do want to grow. And I need that reminder. So maybe if you're listening, you need that reminder too. Yeah, it, it's really good reminder. I think a lot of us get stuck with the 10 euro, $10, 10 pound jobs because it makes us feel busy. It makes us feel like we're doing stuff. And oftentimes when you're wearing the thousand euro hat as the entrepreneur, you're thinking, you're sitting, you're actually not delivering anything. But the value that Andre breaks out makes a really clear point that one is far more important than the other. Obviously, the $10 stuff's got to get done. The 10 euro stuff has to happen but you don't always have to be the one that's making that happen. All right, let's go back to the interview with Andre and find out how he finds the right people to be his business partners. So Andre, you know, as I listen to you talking about the business, the businesses that you've created, it occurs to me that there may be people who are listening, copywriters, marketers who are listening and thinking, okay, I'd actually like to do this. You know, we oftentimes think about, oh, we want to add multiple streams of revenue to our business, but usually it's streams within the same business as opposed to creating a second business. So I'm curious, let's say somebody is, is ready to, you know, go out and maybe be that strategic partner, be that copywriting and marketing arm. How do you find somebody to partner up with in order to be, you know, the other side of the business, the person that brings that expertise area to the business so that you can help them sell it and uh, do all the things that you do? Do you want the truth or, or a lie? I want the truth. Okay. Unless the lie is such a great story that, you know, that, it, no, we, we definitely want the truth. I don't have a strategy. It always happened. The advertising company. I, I was living in, in Milano because uh, we decided to place our offices there in order to be much closer to the, uh, uh, to the market. But then when we needed uh, any more to be there, we moved back to my uh, uh, native town that is Reggio Emilia in the north of Italy. And then I went to a bar to, to, for a coffee, obviously, an espresso. And then I met this Simone. It was uh, a, a guy I was... Um, I was in the Boy Scout. Uh, we were in the Boy Scout together for, for many years. And then we started to talk and chat. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then he said, okay, I have this little um, design company that does, you know, uh, logos, brochures and this kind of stuff. And we, were, we just moved in the town and we create, you needed to create a lot of material. So I said to him, hey, I'm looking for somebody that will do something like this. Uh, I mean, I prefer to give you my money than to a perfect stranger. So we started to work together and then he was explaining me things about his business. I started to give him advices. I think there's a pattern here. And then uh, one day we were out for a dinner uh, with him and, and uh, his business partner. And, and I said, Hey guys, I have an idea. I think that if we, if we do this, this, and this, and this, we can create a business about these things. And they said, mm, nice. Okay. Would you like to do this together? And because, uh, I put, uh, maybe this is one of my limit, but, uh, I tend to put the person that I will partner, uh, uh in front of everything. Uh, we need to be aligned uh, not about the business, but about the deep values that we have. 
I cannot do a business with somebody that has uh, a different value that I have, can be a totally different person than me. But the, the deep value, uh, the value that moves our, uh, our lives needs to be aligned. Otherwise there's sooner or later, I want to go this way, you want to go that way. And the result is that things breaks up. So Rob, I, I don't have a strategy. I mean, I just meet people sometimes, see opportunities, make proposal, and sometimes things happen. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's not a strategy. It's a matter of luck or being in the right place at the right. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like you put yourself in places where you can add ideas, add value, and then things start to happen. Yes, right. And I do it completely naturally. It's not, uh, it's not something that I think because the mission of my life is be a valuable resource and add values in people's lives. I, I feel these things really strong. Th th this is why I do what I do. So it's very natural for me to, uh, I mean, just uh, look at things and things how can be improved and share that idea. Like, okay, I have the, this idea. If you like it, use it. If you don't like it, I mean, I don't care, but I like to add value to your uh, business or world or whatever. And then, I don't know, this moves energies and this energy sometimes align and then the magic happens. I am not sure how this question is going to come out, but just bear with me. Uh, <laughs> so Rob is my business partner. I can't imagine having eight Robs. Are you kidding me? How you awesome know? would your life and be if you had eight of me? Yeah. My life would be, very, yes, but it would be a lot to handle and manage. How do you manage your time and your energy around, you know, I forget how many, but six to eight different business partners. How do you know where to focus with these businesses? I feel like that, that would be tricky for me is to know where to go and to focus this week versus next month. How do you figure that out? It didn't happen everything at the same time. It, it, it happened step by step. So every time I just only had to find <laughs> some more time to deal with this thing. In one business, I just uh, make two meetings a year. And uh, I mean, completely trust of the, uh, complete trust on the people that are running that business. Uh, you, you can be anywhere. You cannot control everything. You cannot do that. I'm inside the training business, especially the one with, uh, with small entrepreneur and, uh, um, and dentist. So that, uh, is a day by day activity, uh, with the, with the, um, the advertising company is running, uh, is up and running. And there is this approach of, I mean, red line. If something happens, we need an idea. We have these issues. What would you like? Uh, what do you think can be done? Just add us some ideas. So basically, I'm making the uh, 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 a consultant job for for them. Uh, with the business with photography, uh, uh, um, me and Simone is not the one that I was talking that moved to US. Is another Simone, the one that I met at the bar. Um, it's just uh, we make. Uh, every uh, uh, three months meetings just to align and define the strategy. Uh, in every company, 
uh, this is very important, I think. Everything is run through KPI. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. So we measure the performance. Uh, we have a dashboard. Uh, this is one of the things that I love to create. Uh, a dashboard that lets to uh, um, make uh, uh, measurable the activities and the results and can uh, um, uh, highlight the root of a problem that can be, uh, uh, that can be inside the company. So having those dashboard let us to, uh, um, to, to analyze the business very quickly, define uh, very quickly where is the weakest link, define the strategy and then have the team that execute the, the, the strategy. This is why all these businesses as employees and there are, I have business partner. Otherwise I think is not possible. I think that otherwise is much, much better. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that having multiple business is a, is a nice idea. Maybe if you, if we follow the simplification rule it's much better to put the effort in one place and, and scale that one, uh, it's much easier to go away from the break even point and leverage the profit. Yes, for sure. But I tend to annoy if I'm doing the same thing, uh, uh, forever. Plus I don't like to put all my eggs in this, in the same basket. So, um, Basically, Kira, it's, it's, uh, it's a matter of uh, uh, delegate, um, it's a matter of uh, trust, and it's a matter of having a system to uh, measure the performance and identify the, the weakest link. I'm curious, Andre, with the different businesses, what does the ownership stake look like? You, you know, because again, it's got to work for both of the partners or all of the partners in a business. Do you own a majority of each of the businesses? Do you have smaller stakes? What does that look like? No, I don't like that. I, I this is another this is another limit probably in my approach. But as I said, to you, I put uh, people's uh, people before the money. So for example, uh, with Francesco, my business partner in Holland, we did probably the most stupid thing that uh, two business partners can do. And we just created a BV that's probably is the equivalent of the LTD in, in US. And we created that 50% and 50%. I know it's stupid because if, if we have any problem, but you know, I'm romantic and I, and I believe that people can find a solution if they want to stay together. If they don't want to stay together, there's no reason to stay together. So who cares? I prefer to be balanced and fair instead of arguing for having the 1% more. In the other, in other companies, uh, uh, we just have, I mean, three business partner, 33, 33, 33. Uh, in, in, in another business, I don't have the majority because I mean, I think it wasn't fair. It was, I mean, it was just, uh, added some money. I'm doing basically nothing. If you have what you like and you have what you need and you have what you think is right. And I think is right. It's the best uh, approach in order to create a long-term relation. So this is my approach. I know that is a little bit unconventional, but, uh, I believe more in, 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 in good relation that, uh, in having the control of the business and be the boss that can, I mean, uh, uh do things in, 
in the way it thinks. I prefer to uh, convince my business partner about an idea instead of um, use the 51% of the majority uh, to apply that idea. I want to make sure we have time to talk about burnout. I don't know why, but it feels really important to talk about it. You mentioned working 18 hour days at one point and that you love your businesses. So you want to work on your businesses. How have you figured out the right way to kind of maintain your workload so that you don't get burnt out, especially with multiple businesses? You know, do you have any tips for us? Because this is such a big struggle for copywriters. I'm a maniac about uh, time management and productivity. But once again, long story short, the things that I do, the first, the first thing that I put in my agenda is my free time. So I usually say that the horses saved my life because they need care, they need attention, they need uh, training, uh, uh, so they need time. When I do my planning, I don't want to go into details, it's too long, but when I do the, my, my, my planning, I just, the first thing that I do is I put the, the amount of free time, uh, uh, for example, with horses that I want. And uh, really something, I mean, incredible needs to happen in order to change uh, that time for working time. And I've realized doing that, that is not the amount of time that you do working that create the result, is the focus and the energy that you put there. And uh, I realized that working 18 hours a day, I mean, it pay your sense of be, I don't know how to say that in English. The, uh, you feel that you're doing something, so you feel okay, but then you're, you're not producing a result, an outstanding result. So I realized that uh, if you, take your time, recharge your batteries, put the stress out. When you focus, you are much quicker. You are much, much more uh, uh, productive and you can do more in less time. So my bigger advice is start from your free time, but uh, parental advisor, uh, it's uh, you, you need to be ready to work hard when it's time to work hard. I mean, doesn't matter what you have to do. You need to do what you have to do. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to do what you want to do, but this can be something that can happen in a period in, can, cannot be forever. So just start from taking some times for you and do the things that really charge your batteries and you will see that you can, when you go back to work, you can do the same amount of things. Uh, with the, with the people that works in the team, I usually, uh, give them less time to do things and I force them to do, to do those things in less time because you, when you have less time, you find smarter solution to do things. When you know that you can put any amount of time in something, it will take you much more than you really need. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's really good advice. So if that's the approach to burnout, then when you show up ready to work and working hard, how do you make sure that you're as sharp as possible from a skills and um, knowledge expertise standpoint? So that what you're bringing to the table, you're not stagnating, right? And you're able to bring new ideas and, and new thinking each time you show up in a different business in, in order to make a contribution. 
Honestly, Rob, I don't know. I think that I uh, d- developed uh, an ability compartmentize. Is that a word that exists in English? Yep, compartmentalize. Yeah. Okay. And when I'm when I'm there, it's like I mean I am there. I'm not thinking about anything else except that thing. When I'm horse riding, I'm thinking about the horse. I'm focusing only on the present, not on what happened, what will happen after or what happened before and that continue to, to, to have an effect on me. But I don't know how I do that. It happens to me. And I think it's, it's been the result of this evolution in the years about uh, being forced to take uh, care about different things in different environments. You mentioned earlier in the conversation, you said your strong points are also your weak points. I'm just, I'd like to hear more. What, what do you mean exactly? Because I mean, I think this is part of what we all need to do is be reflective and know our strengths and weaknesses. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Okay. Uh, one time a man from US told me that I'm kind of anal retentive. Is that a word that exists? Uh, oh, it uh, is. Yes, it is. Uh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, um, so I give you an example about, about this. I, I think that uh, details can make a huge difference, especially when you want to create something outstanding. So one of my strong point is that I'm very able to find little details that can make things better. But that is also one of my weak point because that approach, if you don't, if you don't control that approach, you will be much slower than probably you need to be because focusing on details, you want to fix this, you want to fix that, make this better, uh, uh, make me make this in a different way. So it will be better. You will never start because you will be stuck in the improvement of the details. So sometimes you need to learn how to let go those details and understand that done is better than perfect, for example. So this, this has been something that I had to work a lot on because I wasn't able to deliver the things in time because my passion for details was slowing me down too much. So this is a small, but I, I hope clear example of that. Yeah. It was nice of your friend to tell you that, right? To share that with you. Yeah. I don't know the meaning of that word, but I think that is something that... <laughs> Yeah, we probably don't need to go into that any deeper. It's uh, yeah. So Andre, we've mentioned your horses a couple of times. I'm curious, what lessons have you learned from working with riding horses that apply to your businesses? Man, this will be long. <laughs> this question opened my. Uh, there are a lot of things. The most important things is that um, when you deal with the creatures that has ten times your weight, and you try to do something forcing that creature, you suddenly realize that if you put on the strength, it's a matter of strength, you will lose that battle. You need to understand how he think, how he communicate in order to create a dialogue that let the horse to do the things that you ask. 
I know if, if people that uh, uh, love horse riding and are listening uh, 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 what I'm saying, I know that this, there is much more than this, but let me to simplificate this. Otherwise it will be very hard to explain what I'm saying, but you need to create a communication and to create that communication, you need to understand how the horse thinks, how the horse act. You need to understand the signal that the horse gives to you. So the point with the business is that in a business you deal with people and the most important things that you, you need uh, uh, to be good at is to communicate. Because if it's one, if it's your business partner, you need to understand him. You need to understand what he wants, uh, his desire, his way to communicate. Uh, for example, one thing that he does for you can have meaning for him as a completely different meaning. Uh, to judge that things, you need to apply his system, not your system. Uh, in order to motivate, you need to understand what is really important for you or for your employees. Uh, you need to understand your people in order to put them in the best place to amplify their opportunities. And uh, yeah, this is probably, this is the, the edge of the iceberg. There is much more uh, under this, but probably is the most important things that I've learned from dealing with horses and communicate with horses and creating relationship with horses because it's hard if you want to put, I don't know the word in English, those metal things that you put on the boots to kick the horse or strong things in the mouth, strong leverage in the mouth to force the horse to do what you want. But that is not how you can produce result in life. So it's much better to use a smarter way to ride and the smartest way to deal with people. As we wrap up the conversation, you know, we've talked a lot about what you've done well uh, in your business and you've shared so much great advice. I would love to know what is a struggle for you right now at this stage in your business and your journey. What is something that is like the number one struggle right now in business that you're trying to figure out, or maybe you're partly through it? Finding people. <laughs> I'm struggling with it. I also share that in our mastermind in, uh, in Orlando, it's hard to find them because sometimes, you know, I have much more ideas than the resources put them on, on the ground. And the main reason is that I miss, uh, the right people to be placed in the right place. I'm struggling with that. I didn't find a solution yet. I feel that, uh, okay, I would like to do this, but then I walk back and nobody's there and I cannot, I cannot do that. I mean, I don't know if you have, uh, uh, an idea <laughs> about how to solve this, but this is what I'm looking uh, for now, a solution for, uh, uh, fi finding the right people, especially in the structure of the company the middle managers, those people that are your, uh, uh, direct, uh, uh, connection, uh, the, the right people to delegate responsibility. It's not a matter of delegate tasks it's a matter of delegate responsibility. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, Kira and I have talked many times about having way too many ideas and not enough people or, or robots or whatever to put them into, into action. So, uh, we, f we feel that. So Andre, usually we end by, you know, asking, you know, if people want to find out more about you, you know, where should they go? I'm not sure that you're all that interested in having copywriters follow you, but if they want to check out some of your businesses or some of the, the things that uh, you're up to, where would they go? Uh, there's 
my website is just www.andreagrassi.it. That's where you can, the, the app where you can go around and check around. I know that uh, copywriter are not, copywriters are not my basic public, but I mean, I will be more than happy. And uh, if just somebody wants to write a question, I will, I, I mean, maybe I will, maybe I will not be that quick to answer, but I will answer. If somebody asks me something, I will send an answer. So maybe if you want, somebody want to dig deeper in what I said, I will be uh, happy to answer if they shoot me a question. That's fantastic. Thanks, Andre, for taking the time to chat with us. It's been enlightening learning about your businesses, but also I think insightful in maybe ways that all of us can expand the ways that we make money or explore our other business interests outside of what we do on a daily basis. So thanks for that. Yeah. Thank you, Andre. It just, you've helped me think bigger about what we're doing here and what, what else, you know, I could be doing beyond that too. So thank you. I'm very happy for that. You're welcome. And it's been a pleasure to be here. A really, really uh, big pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. That's the end of our interview with Andre Grassi, but let's go over a couple more ideas before we jump. Rob, what stood out to you from this part of the conversation? Okay, well, we led into uh, this part of the conversation by saying, hey, let's find out what Andre does to find a business partner. And I really like that he didn't say, well, I look for somebody with a growing business or I look for somebody who's already making money or I look for somebody who has built businesses before. He focuses instead on, I'm looking for a business partner that has the same values as me. And of course, the other things are important too. opportunities, being able to uh, have a place where you can offer value and give that advice. Like that's important to have, but having a partner with the same values is critical because if, uh, well, values are, are the baseline for everything that we do. And if you don't agree on that stuff, it's only a matter of time before you're going to disagree on a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. And I, he said, you know, you can find, you can always find a solution if you want to stay together as partners. And I think that goes for partnership in many, many areas of life. And I just really respect his approach, the, you know, 50, 50 in businesses or just being really fair to the partners that he's working with and putting people first. Um, I think it's just a really great approach to building businesses with partners with that type of respect. Yeah. We also talked about KPIs and the importance of KPIs. I mean, that's something that we're working on in our business just because if you can't if you can't measure it and track the the growth and um, maybe um, what what's happening in the business, it's hard to build those businesses and work with multiple partners if you can't see those metrics easily to understand what's happening in the business at all times. And even if you're not running eight or nine businesses, you can still develop and create your own KPIs so that you can quickly take a look and understand what's happening in the business at all times. And then maybe you could add a new project or add a new business eventually. Yeah, KPIs, that stands for key performance indicators in case there's one or two people who haven't heard that term. And it is important, but it's sometimes it can be really hard in a solopreneur business where you're the only person to spend the time and figure that stuff out. You know, what are the key performance indicators in your business? Is it the number of pitches that you have each month in order to get enough clients into your business? Is it, uh, you know, a pricing indicator? So you're bringing on uh, more expensive or more valuable projects 
Is it the number of projects that you're able to do a month? Is it a profit level so that your time accounts for, say, 40% of the cost of every project? There's lots of different ways to look at it and measure it and just make sure that those things are staying positive, that they're growing and not going down. Uh, the more complex a business is, the easier it is in some ways to find what those performance indicators should be. But with our simple businesses, you know, sometimes we just think, well, I've got a client, I'm working right now, everything's okay. And it's smart to take a little bit more of a business focus when you look at things like all of these metrics that you know, should be happening in your business. We also talked about um, productivity and how to take care of yourself, how to avoid burnout. And Andre offered some good tips that I'm already using. One of them was start with your free time, put your free time in your calendar first which is very hard to do, especially when you're just getting started and you feel like you don't deserve it or you need to always put clients first. Um, but that's a great reminder too. Even as I was listening to that, I was thinking, okay, you know, I have some kid, kid vacations coming up where the kids are home from school. Like I need to put that in the calendar so that it is time off and I'm prioritizing that and not just falling into it without a plan and then trying to work through you know, my kids spring break. And so I think that's a really great tip. Um, but also he reminded us that you got to be ready to work hard when you need to work hard. And so take care of yourself, but know when it's time to really just dig in and do the work that's needed. And then the last tip that resonated with me was, uh, and I actually would like to hear more about it is forcing your team members to do things in less time, which you would think is the opposite of what you should do to take care of your team members. But he said it helps create new solutions and creative thinking. When you have less time to do something, there are new solutions that present themselves to you. So that's something that's really interesting and I want to dig deeper into. Yeah, oftentimes constraints make us more creative and force us to think of different ways of doing things. So, uh, yeah, have, asking people to do things faster or on a lower budget or in other ways that put constraints on them can actually make them better. The last idea that really resonated with me was when Andre was talking about horse riding and the idea that you need to understand the horse. And of course, uh, I think that that's a, uh, an idea that applies to all kinds of things, including business. Like you need to understand the business, the horse, the business that we're riding and sometimes it has a mind of its own. Sometimes, you know, uh, contractors will do their own things or clients will do their own things. And you have to understand exactly what the horse is going to do, what it needs to hear in order to be effectively controlling this enormous thing that we're all riding. Um, I, I just think it's a great metaphor for so many things in life, not just business, family, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And in my biggest takeaway was just this change in mindset, listening to Andre and his journey, you know, from the time he was 19 to where he is today. Um, it's really easy to think, well, that's, I couldn't possibly do that. You know, I couldn't be Andre. I couldn't have eight businesses um, or more, but he really changed my mindset and thinking about, you never know, like you could, you could build the first one and get it running. And there could be an, another opportunity and because you understand the foundation of what it takes to build a profitable business, whether it took you a year to figure that out or a decade to figure it out, you could find a right partner or jump into an, the next business. And that opportunity exists for all of us. So um, 
at least for me, I need to remind myself that it is possible and not close that off and just say, oh, well, that's for someone else, not for me. Yeah, I think I really like Andre's approach. You know, he knows what he's good at. He's really good at marketing. He doesn't do anything else in all of these businesses. But what he brings to the table is really valuable. What we bring to the table is really valuable. Uh, and it goes well beyond just writing the words. We can show up for multiple partners in the same way. I just loved the advice that Andre gave as he shared all the things that he does. And it got me thinking too, how can I show up for different clients in different ways? Are some of those partnership opportunities uh, where I can invest more into their businesses and make some money, you know, coming out because I'm helping them grow in different ways as a partner as opposed to a vendor. I think it's just really good way to think through how we approach problem solving for our clients. We want to thank Andre Grassi for joining us on the podcast today. If you want to connect with him, you can find him at andreagrassi.it. We'll link to it in the show notes. He's also on LinkedIn if you want to reach out and shoot him a question. He did say he would respond. It just may take a little bit of time. Yeah, he's he's a fun guy, uh, definitely worth connecting with. And if you want to listen to other conversations a lot like this one, check out episode 95 with Julia Reinish. And she talked about staying curious and seeking new opportunities. So a similar theme. And also episode 204 with Jerisha Hawk about high ticket sales and building a team. That's one of my all-time favorite episodes that we've recorded. Jerisha is amazingly smart and definitely worth listening to that one too. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave your review of the show. We actually did get a review of the show. This week. We'll, this week. we'll share it next week. And we were so excited. <laughs> Make us happy. <laughs> leave a review. Yes. And again, if you want to be part of a mastermind um, you know, Andre, we met him through a mastermind that Rob and I are a part of, and it's been so grateful or so wonderful to get to know him and learn from him. If you want to be part of a mastermind of your own and attend retreats like the one we just hosted in New Orleans, um, check out the Copywriter Think Tank and fill out an application. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club. Yeah, can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club. Can make you lots of money as long as you listen through the whole damn episode.